Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. Awesome. Overflow is our new series. It's a six-part series that we're starting today. Um, And it's really inspired by this text that we've been confessing each week. If you've been part of our church uh, or you've been here before, you know that each Sunday in 2023, we're confessing Psalm 23. And one of the Psalms, one of the passages in that Psalm says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now, when I think about a cup overflowing, someone's cup overflowing, I think about abundance. I think about having more than enough, living with more than enough. And I wonder if you know what it is like to live with more than enough. Do you know what it is like today? Having more than enough. I'm not just talking about material things. Because having more than enough is not about accumulating. It's not about hoarding. It's not about being selfish. It's not about any of those things because those are bad character traits. Having more than enough means you're prepared. Not only are you prepared, it means you have margin, you have room, you have breathing room. It means that if you have, for example, more than enough joy, you have joy for everyday life. But not only joy for everyday life, you have joy for those circumstances and those situations that pop up, that that come to take away your joy. But because your cup is overflowing with joy... You have enough joy for those situations too. Not only that, you have enough joy to overcome the world and to brighten someone else's day. You have joy for yourself and for somebody else. (coughs) More than enough strength means you're strong enough. You're strong enough for your lot to carry your lot in life. And you're strong enough to strengthen somebody else. It's to practice that passage in Galatians that says that we are to carry each other's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's not only about you uh, having strength for yourself, but it means that you don't have too much on your plate to be bothered by other people's problems. No, you have enough strength for yourself and to help somebody else. More than enough time means you have enough time to accomplish your work, And you have enough time to be present with your loved ones. You have enough margin to invest in other things. Like church. Like your friends. Maybe going out with someone uh, and and, and take them out to dinner to encourage them. Perhaps uh, help with somebody else's need. You have enough time. Because you have more than enough. Having more than enough. Living in the overflow means you're not financially strapped. All the time. It means you're not living from paycheck to paycheck, but you have enough to give, enough to save, and enough to take care of your obligations. Now, when Jesus is talking about this kind of life, life in the overflow, the life that he came to bring, he said this. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, when we read this text, it's a very well-known text. It's quoted uh, by many Christians. But we tend to think that Jesus was talking about the devil. 
We tend to think that he was talking about Satan, the enemy, spiritual evil forces. Uh, um, but Jesus wasn't talking about that. Jesus was, in fact, talking about bad shepherds, evil teachers. He was addressing religious leaders. He was addressing leaders that lead people astray. Jesus was saying the thieves, the blind guys who's who use religion and who use God for self-gain, they come to kill. They come to steal. They come to destroy. Kill what? Steal what? Destroy what? Your faith. Your relationship with God. Your revelation. The goodness of God that, 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 that you know. And, and, and the objective is to, is to move you away from the revelation of who God really is. And then he says, but I am the good shepherd. See, I'm bringing a different kind of teaching. I have come to give my life for my sheep. I don't want their life. I want to give my life for them. And I came that my sheep may have abundant life. I'm the good shepherd. Jesus was alluding to the prophecies found in the Old Testament. Prophecies like the one from the uh, prophet Jeremiah who said that the bad shepherds were, were, were scattering and destroying the sheep. Like the prophecy by the prophet Ezekiel where he said that you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool, but you do not feed the flock. It was a prophecy against, of, 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 of refusal, of rebuke to the, the, the bad shepherds in, in Israel. Now there are two things that you can find in, in the scripture that was never God's plan for people. The first is that it was never God's plan for us to live apart from Him. Everywhere in scriptures, from the beginning to the end, it's God, God's desire that we would be His people and He would be our God is displayed everywhere. And the second thing is that it was never God's plan for us to live in want. He's the one who supplies our needs. He's the one who provides. And the two actually go together. They go together. The problem is that we have built in a separation between the natural and the spiritual. And it's built into our culture, our secular culture. We have bought into the lie that you can prosper in the natural without engaging the spiritual. And so what we have is people, is people highly focused on the natural, but living a sedentary and, and, and living a, a, a poor life in the spirit. Those two things, uh, what we're told is that those two things not only could, but should be separate. They, you got to keep God in your Sunday box. You got you to keep your relationship with God your, in your Christian corner, your, your, your religious corner. But Jesus challenged that idea. And he challenged that idea with a simple question. Question that Jesus asked, which should make us ponder is, is found in Mark chapter 8, verse 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? To so the question we want to ask and we want to explore in this series, in the next six Sundays is, how can a person who models their life after Jesus, who, 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 who can live for such a place that they are overflowing with good things in every area of their lives. How can such a person live that way? How can we live in such a way that we are overflowing with good things in every area of our lives? That's the question that we want to explore, not only individually, but also collectively as a community. So today, I want to speak to the achiever in you. 
I want to speak to the dreamer in you. I want to speak to the person in you who, who wants to excel, who wants to stand out. Because every single one of us has that part in us. From the most introvert to the most scandalous extrovert in the room. We all have that part in us. From the shy to the extravagant. We have on the inside the desire to be exceptional. We want to stand out. We want, we want our work to matter. We want, uh, we want to excel academically. We want our careers to flourish. We want our life to count. And I believe one major problem we face today is the problem Jesus addressed. Because our world says the opposite. What our world says is that we are told that in order to fulfill, to find fulfillment and to save our souls, we need to gain the world. That's what we need. If you can dominate an industry, if you can be, become so popular because of your skill and your talent, if your performance becomes so impressive that it brings you profit, then all the problems, all the issues that you're facing, all the conflict, the internal inner problems, they will go away. That's the ticket. You gotta dominate, you gotta be popular, you gotta, you gotta perform. Because all the problems that you're facing, we're told, are environmental. So if you can fix your environment, you can rise above those problems externally, then all else will be handled. All problems will go away. And so we give our all. We dive in. We dive in to work, to achieve, to perform in a quest to satisfy our souls. But friends, I want to tell you today, that's backwards. That's not the model that Jesus came to, to show us and, 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 and model that he leads us toward. See, applying most of our energy and focus to fleeting things will not give us the life of abundance that Jesus came to bring. Abundance is not just about quantity. Abundance is about contentment. You know, I can speak from joy, peace, marriage, work, but even from a more tangible way from financial perspective. I've met many people in life, and I've met, I've met people who, who can live with $36,000 a year and live in the overflow with enough to give, enough to save, enough to... to take care of their obligations. And I've also met people who, makes, who make five times that, 150000 and plus, who are living in, in debt, are living difficult, in a difficult, in lack, in trouble, because it's, it's, a, it's a matter of the soul. And, and, and I, I, it, it's really a, a, a problem of, of perspective in how you approach Life. Think about what we're confessing each Sunday. Right? You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Think about that picture. If you're not a church person, that might look weird. Like, what do you mean? You anoint my head and then the cup will overflow. It was a practice of anointing kings back in those days. But the picture is, is deeper than that. It's, it's more fundamental to how we approach life. Because the way... The reality of our world, the way that we're encouraged to live is this. As long as you fill your cup, life is good. That's, that's the way of the world. As long as you fill your cup, you're okay. 
So what we have is people trying to get their fill from the things of the world and the things the world has to offer. But what they find is that something's missing. Something is missing. And the picture that the psalmist paints is a picture of someone who is focused on the anointing first. Someone who who knows the difference between the head and the cup. There's a difference. See, your cup is what you do. Your cup is what you offer the world. Your cup is what you have to share with others. Your head is who you are. Is, 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 is what guides you. It's what commands you. It's what makes decisions. And the oil is to flow onto the head and from the head to the cup. Not the other way around. In other words, it's not your career. It's not your performance. It's not your training. It's not your grade. It's not your title. It's not your income and wealth that's going to fulfill you. It's because you have a fulfilled soul. It's because your spirit is overflowing with life that you are able to pour strength, pour peace, pour joy, pour resilience, focus into your career, into your performance, into your training, into your grades, your title, and whatever else. You get the picture? It's, 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 you don't draw life and fulfillment from those things. You pour into them out of who you are. From the head to the cup. That's how it's supposed to be. See, you don't, get, you, don't, you don't go to work to get fulfilled. You don't get fulfillment from work. You don't go to work to get fulfilled. You go to work because you're fulfilled. And there you fulfill somebody else. There you, you get to overflow in, in the other people's lives. So you don't relate to your spouse... To get fulfilled. You relate. You talk. You share life. You interact with your spouse. Because you're fulfilled. And, and out of a life that is full and overflowing. You, you share with that person. Because it's pouring out of you. This is how Jesus puts it. John chapter 4 verses 13 and 14. He says, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, Jesus is talking to a woman in this passage. And this woman has come to a well to draw water. And what Jesus is saying is, listen. I not only have water for myself, but I have a kind of water that is overflowing. And the water that I have to give you is not only going to satisfy you, but it is going to produce in you a fountain. And it's going to overflow out of your life to others. That's the kind of water that I have. See, the woman, it says in the story, had had five husbands. Which means she was trying to draw satisfaction. She was trying to draw uh, fulfillment from relationships. I don't know if you've ever done that. If you've ever been in situations where you try to draw fulfillment from things that were not supposed to deliver what you need. You know, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's study, a degree, something. Uh, f- uh, maybe it's fitness. You're, you're trying to, to, 
to attach to that thing the undue importance to, to fulfill your soul. And, and if you've done that, you probably realize, hopefully before it was too late, that that was only going to mess things up. That's what happens. There's a popular saying uh, in our culture that says, never meet your heroes. Have you ever heard that? Never meet your heroes. The saying gained popularity because um, many people who are extremely successful in what they do, um, they're actually not great people. They, they, they're not so great as great humans as we make them to be. So never meet your heroes is a warning that says that the artist, the, 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 the people you admire, the celebrity you love, the leader you glean from, the writer you connect to, they're not who you have built them to be. They're not quite that. So uh, tread care carefully. Now, of course, there are exceptions. But the saying exists, exists for a reason. And I wonder if you've ever wrestled with that. Because sometimes, you know, we're in a political season now. And there are debates and talks. And sometimes you just get, man, are those our choices? You know, is, is that, is, are those the people that we, we, we have to pick to lead? Because it feels like, why, why don't we have better quality people? You know, not just... Just better quality, people who, who are better. And I don't know if you've ever wondered, too, like how, how many times you see artists and people who depict a, a life. They're great at painting a picture through their art on, on the screen about love and, and, and resilience and fighting for what's right. And, and, and in the two hours that, or three hours that we see that the, the, the art, is, it's inspiring and it's beautiful. But in their private lives, it's a mess. It's not something that you would want for your own life. I don't know if you've ever wondered why so many leaders who are successful in what they do, the businesses they lead, are terrible in relationships, are not winning at home, do not have a good relationship with their, with their children. This is why. It's because they have full cups, but they have empty heads. They have focused on the cup part. And it's not... Many times it's not because of their own fault. It's just it's the pattern of the world. Our world focuses on the cup. They're not living out of the overflow of the Spirit. They're living out of the overflow of the world. See, the overflow of the world is outside in. It's the overflow of the world flows from the principles of the world. And the principles of the world are principles of greed, pride, avarice, selfishness, jealousy, those things can fool your drive. You know, you can attach yourself to things like that and be driven and, and, and try to get ahead in work and in your profession. But you know, it's, the end is not pretty. But the overflow of the Spirit is different. It flows from within. It, it, it's, 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 it's where you draw peace and joy and strength and, and you can harness that for a successful life in the marketplace. Again, the overflow of the world is outside in. The overflow of the Spirit is inside out. And so Jesus, Jesus came to offer us this, this choice to live from the Spirit. To have this well that flows from within. So if we're going to live Jesus' way, 
if we choose Jesus' way. And maybe you're here today and you're wrestling with this idea. We have to understand, first, that everything must flow from the Spirit. There's where, that's where everything begin, begins. But out of the overflow of the Spirit, that life will flow to other areas of your life. And there are different parts of you. There's a professional part. There's the relationship part. There's the husband part, the friend part, the wife part, the friend part, the girlfriend part. There's the Amazon shopper. The dessert-loving part. There are different parts. Um, but, but, but this kind of, the picture that, that, that I want you to have, it's not always this linear, but the picture I want you to have is a picture of a cascade flowing. And I actually wanted to build a cascade here on stage, but apparently you can't have water on school ground. <laughs> I thought, I, I thought it was, as I was sharing this picture in the earlier service, I thought pastor gets electrocuted on stage, like headline. Because of water flow through electricity. <laughs> but the picture is like the proverb that we like quoting in, in chapter 4, verse 23 of the book of Proverbs. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for, for from it flow the springs of life. It's from the inside out. So we're going to start with the outer part. I'm going to focus on the outermost part today. All right. I only have 45 more minutes to go. I'm kidding. <laughs> We're gonna, this is a short introduction. <laughs> now, I am introducing the, the idea of the series, but today I want to spend the next few minutes focusing on the outermost part because that's the part that everybody sees, right? That's the part that we want, we want it to shine. The performance part, the work part, the achiever part. The part that, that, that wants to deliver. That's the outermost part. The part that, that, that has contact with people every day. Or, or, or your audience or your clients. Or that's the part that we, that, that, we, that we spend a lot of time on every single day. And sometimes we think that's the beginning. We think that that's where things need to work first in order for our spirit to be filled. But if we, if, we, if we glean from Jesus, and if we think about this cascade effect, that, that, that the life of the spirit needs to start from within, welling up, right? What are some of these other parts that this, this, this water flows into? That this life flows into and then overflows that part into another and then from that part into another and then from that part into another until it gets to the part that everybody sees. Because I don't know if you know this, but your grandfather is an onion. <laughs> what I mean is we all have different layers. <laughs> we all are like our, our lives, many of us. You, you can be the most open person and the most out, out, uh, um, extrovert person, the most open person here, there's still layers to you, right? There's still parts of you that nobody sees. We have that. We, we all have that, that little... So what is, what, is, what is that flow like? What does that look like? If the part that everybody sees is our work, what we produce our education, our careers, our performance, how we engage and grow. How does the life 
uh, of God overflowing to those parts look like? What's the stages? What are the processes? So if we're looking at that part of us, and, and you know, like, like I said, it's not always this linear, but for most of us, for most of us, the way that the life flows, there's the, the, the way that, 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 that things uh, 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 flow, it, it comes from some, some other part of us into those areas. And if you have felt, this is how you diagnose it, if you ever felt like you're not growing as you should, this is why sometimes we have these conflicts, right? If you've ever felt like work or school or your job, your career is draining you instead of giving life. If you ever felt like, like you're not living in the overflow, meaning there's really no life of God at, at work. There's really no life of God in those outer parts of you. I mean, you feel God when you pray and you feel God when you're in a room like this. But you don't feel like the life of God is really working through every part of you. If you've ever felt like that, there's probably something blocking the flow. Again, that picture of a cascade. There's probably something blocking the flow of the life of God in you. So, what is the part that flows into your work? What is the part of you that flows into your achiever, your, your dreamer? What is the part of you that flows into your vocation, your education? The part of you that empowers performance, that gives you margin in, in the areas of your career. For most of us, the part of us that feeds into that is our lifestyle. It's how we choose to live. It's your lifestyle. And your lifestyle is comprised of three things. Your attitudes, your values, and your habits. Now, when you think about in that picture, if you don't see the life of God in the outermost part of you, it's probably because the life of God has not... Has not filled your lifestyle has not permeated through your lifestyle and your lifestyle it's easy to see how your attitudes your values and your habits will impact your professional life right it's easy to see how your your habits your values and your attitudes can impact your studies or your career or your pursuit for growth so how can the life of god impact your lifestyle well let's look to the words of Jesus. Because if we are un to live in the overflow, we need to understand the order in which things flow. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. This is what Jesus says. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I love this passage. This is one of my favorite passages in the scripture. Jesus saying, hey, let your light shine so that when you do work, your works are so good that people look at you and say, God is there. There's, there the life of God is in this person. It's, it's, it's a witness to who God is in you. What is Jesus saying? He's saying good works come from within. Not from without. It comes from within. 
It doesn't matter if, if it's your profession, your studies, your talent, your career, whatever part of your life that you're trying to make shine, if you want it to have meaning, if you want it to be good works, they will serve the world the best if they come from a healthy relationship with God. That's what Jesus is saying. That's the picture that he's painting. So here's a question for you to ask yourself, all right? And this is for all of us here and from all walks of life. What is my lifestyle reflecting? What is my lifestyle reflecting? What story are my attitudes, my values, my habits telling? What story? Friends, you don't conquer alcoholism by going to a bar. Right? You don't conquer anger by picking a fight. You don't get out of debt by overspending and not sticking to a budget. You don't build a healthy marriage if you keep neglecting your spouse. You can't do it. You won't be the best in your class, your division, or, or if you give in to laziness. Or if you take an immature approach to life. No matter how much you want it, no matter how much you pray for it, no matter how much faith you have, Unless you are proactive in surrendering your lifestyle to the life of the Spirit, you'll continue to have that blockage where you're not going to see progress in the outermost parts of your life. Because what commands that is your lifestyle, your attitudes, your values, your habits. So, is your lifestyle reflecting the overflow of the world? Is your lifestyle reflecting the worldly ambition, anger, greed, lust, the things of this world? Or is your lifestyle reflecting the overflow of the Spirit? It's a question, important question for you to wrestle with this week. Are you, are you living from the outside in, buying into the ideas of the world? You got to get it. You got to conquer that, that industry. You got to make it happen. And if you do that, that's how you'll be fulfilled. Or are you someone who is surrendered to the life of God and is living in the abundance of God from the outpour of the Spirit? See, as a church, this is what we aspire to do. That's why we gather each Sunday. That's why we serve. That's why we connect with one another in our monthly meetings. That's why we pray for each other. That's why we celebrate. That's why we pursue God. Because we want to see the life of God, not just in our spirit, not just in the moments where we are praying on our knees, but we want to see in every area of our lives together. See, when you give your best to the world, and it doesn't work out, what the world says is that the problem is the social norms. The problem is... Is, is the social constructs. Your anxiety is environmental. Your depression is environmental. Your insecurity is environmental. Your inadequacy is environmental. Your guilt the, 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 the you feel is environmental. The lack of purpose you feel is environmental. Everything is because of the power structures. Is because of, of the thing that's messing up the environment. That's why you can't succeed. And I'm not denying that those things exist. I'm not denying that those variables can work against you. But it's so disempowering. To wake up each morning thinking that the world is against you and there's nothing you can do about it. That's not the way of the... Of, of, there's not, it's not inspiring. It's not freeing. It's not the way God 
has called us to live. What I'm asking you to do today is to dig dip deeper. Dig deeper. To tap into the life of the Spirit. The life that Jesus came to bring. The life that Jesus offers that swells up into eternal life. Life more abundantly. And life in the overflow means your spirit is overflowing. And it's overflowing into your soul, your body, all the parts of your life, all the way to your lifestyle. And from your lifestyle, it overflows to your work. It's from the head until your cup overflows. So that your spirit can be full of life. So that you are a blessing at work and a blessing at home. A blessing to your friends and a blessing to your parents. A blessing to people you know and a blessing to people you don't know. There's nothing that can take you down when you live in the overflow. You've got enough joy, enough strength, enough peace, enough freedom. You've got enough. More than enough. For yourself and for others. Amen. And there's nothing in the world that can supply that. I just want to encourage you to live in the overflow to surrender your life to God, to engage the community of believers and to be committed to what God has called you to do because you too can live in the overflow. Do you, do you receive it this morning? Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.